0: Hey, Mystic Michaela, spiritual family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela Today, the codependent empath. Are you a codependent empath? Well, if you're an empath, you're probably codependent. So we're going to talk about that. But first, hey, Scotty.
1: Hey, guys. And guess what? Today is a huge day. Oh no. Very big, very special. This is our one hundredth episode.
0: It is, but we're one, not going to celebrate it today. No, <laughs> we can't do that. That's too typical. No, of course not.
1: So we're going to celebrate it on our hundredth and eleventh episode. Yeah, the our one, one one one
0: episode. That's when we're going to really celebrate it. So, you know,
1: so we're not going to do the typical <laughs> things you do for a hundredth episode. What
0: do you do for a hundredth episode?
1: I I really don't know. You get like balloons, like let's say 100.
0: Das, that's the new thing. Yeah. Like they're like gold foiled balloons.
1: Yeah. I did this actually once when I got 200 followers on Instagram. Yes. I I got the 200 (laughs) balloon and it was really successful.
0: And like like a cake from the grocery store with like 200 on it. Yeah,
1: 200 IG followers.
0: (laughs) It's not 200K, just like 200.
1: Yeah. No, not 200K, 200. Yeah. Yeah. So... (laughs) But, you know, it was really, I thought people really enjoyed it. I, it, it got like four likes or something like that. So no, I was yeah, happy with that's that. That's
0: great engagement.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just really waiting to see, you know, because my birthday's coming up soon. And after a couple of weeks ago, when I mentioned at the top TED list that I don't wish anyone a happy birthday on Facebook anymore, I'm assuming, because I used to get about five or six happy birthdays, I'm assuming that's going to go down this They're time. They're just so, going to ignore you. Yeah. I might, um, maybe if I friend a few people, I'm going to actually, you know, I'll do after this, I'll friend a lot of people that are yeah. new, they won't know my little thing that I don't Wish you happy birthday.
0: Yeah, and you'll just get new people's happy birthdays.
1: Well, speaking, yeah. So speaking of codependency, we you know we went back to yoga again today. You know we we have been off and on with yoga. We really got to get back to the yoga. Yeah. Um. And we did. I did a lot of good new moves today. I think we did the shampoo that was new. Okay. Shampoo. Sure. Was
0: that?
1: Was that it? Was yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, You mean not? Oh, what's that one called? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's like the fish.
1: Oh, maybe (laughs) shampoo. I thought it was called the shield. The one where you
0: stick your head, like you lean on your elbows and you, you throw yeah, your head back. that's the one. Yes.
1: And I realize I'm very codependent for you in yoga because there's like all these positions and then I <laughs> like kind of just have you hold my leg sometimes because I can't stretch it that far or I'll give you my arm and I'll let you do it, like hold my arm. So I, I really appreciate that, that you're I'm codependent, that you help me.
0: It must be wonderful, like as we're going to talk about codependency today, like how you're so not codependent as a person. It's just nice that I have a normal person to live with to be like, hey, wh- what do normal people do in this situation? And you'll tell me. Yeah.
1: But true <laughs> and really, during yoga, I cannot do it without you. That okay. chicken pot pie move we did, you helped me.
0: You're just a one-man show, Sky. This is, this, is, this is great. <laughs> okay. The chicken pot pie. Okay. Yeah. You, you did
1: it. We kind of sat like a bowl. Okay. Anyway. Uh, but you, you mean are very codependent. Butterfly? I don't, something like that. Maybe okay. it was called the butterfly. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, when you're, you might even be more codependent when it comes to our cats.
0: I truly measure my worth based on how my cats and like also other people's cats and even stray cats think of me. It's true. It's true. It's true. Like, and when somebody's like, oh, my cat's so difficult or my cat's like the worst or whatever, like it's even a better challenge for me. I love, I love, and I love dogs and you know, don't get me wrong, but like, know there's something about the cat that they, that they're hard to please and they're slightly toxic. That I appreciate pleasing them, and I'm super. It is true. Like when the, when the cats are pleased with me, I take worth from that.
1: I feel I should send you on vacation with not us the family, with the cats. Like just you and, just the, cats. Me and the cats. Yeah, like I send you on a vacation, <laughs> and you go with uh, Rocky and uh, Dusty. Okay. So, and see what happens Where do we there. go?
0: That'd be fun. Like a cat cafe. Like a
1: cat cafe. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. All right.
0: They don't like going anywhere, so. No,
1: I, I mean, and for me, I mean, I'm a lucky guy because my biggest stress in life is the cats.
0: It is. You know. They do so stress you out.
1: They really do stress well, like, me out.
0: Well, like, yeah. I know their schedule is so well. Yeah. But, like, every night around, I want to say, like, 9 p.m., they both have, like, freakouts. And they just really upset you.
1: They really do. I mean, I'm sitting there. It's nine a.m. and then
0: nine p.m. Nine
1: p.m. Sorry, but
0: they and, do it at like seven a.m. too.
1: Yeah, and then Rocky will uh, claw the couch, yeah. and that's his signal that he wants to go outside. Yeah, and you know, like that's great that he has a signal, but can it be something different? Can it be like a ta- <laughs> can he like tap on my shoulder or something? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Does he have to ruin the couch to go outside?
0: Yes, he does. <laughs> All right, so you had something from the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family that you, you thought was interesting and wanted to share.
1: Yeah, so so what we've been kind of noticing ourselves, you know, you and me, and I, and this was brought up in the, in the group the other day, is that it's kind of sometimes harder to talk to people now that we've had our, you know, spiritual awakenings, you know, right? Well,
0: so, yeah, it's true, yeah. Yeah, so
1: like kind of like small talk might be harder or people that you used to talk to and, or things that you used to talk about you can't do it anymore and you kind of got to fake through it you know what I mean so here is a post from Sophia and I wanted to read this one all right happy Thursday Mr. Michaela spiritual family and she is a yellow indigo I'm so thankful for this group for giving me the opportunity to connect with like-minded people I've especially loved being able to connect in smaller space of the discussion groups I know M.M. talks about how she sees a lot of indigos in her readings, but not many in real life. She also talks about how once we begin our spiritual journey, we begin to outgrow a lot of people. Since I began my journey back in November of 2020, I've definitely shed the toxic people, but I feel myself in a slump now. The friends I have are ones I made before my spiritual journey, and although they aren't outwardly judgmental of my growth or aura colors or my love, For Glennon Doyle, I feel a divide between myself and them. Okay. I have learned that I really connect through deep conversations and vulnerability. And although I have that with you all and my sister who lives on the other side of the coast, I'm lacking that in my current situation. So basically I think what she's saying here is – you know, in November, she had this huge spiritual waking and now it's hard for her to connect with those people oh my God, who yeah. did not have that awakening.
0: I've been really feeling that this week. Like, and yeah. I, I I felt this in the past, but then there was like stay-at-home orders and then also everyone was kind of staying away from each other and now everyone's getting back into it or whatever. And I totally get what she's saying. And I think a lot of us who listen to this podcast, like, we like to jump in now into like really deep, deep conversations. And it actually feels weird to not talk about the stuff that's actually super stressful and the stuff that's like really on our minds or the stuff that we're just really thinking and are analyzing right now. And so I totally, I totally resonate with that. Well, you know, cause so Abby, our has started dance. Yes. And so I'm like, it was her first, you know, Tuesday was her first dance class. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I told myself I'm going to do it. I'm going to go be social. I'm going to go. I have to make friends, you know, I want her to feel comfortable. So I'm going to jump myself into new people, new situations, be um, like kind of how I used to be in a way. And I did it. And man, I felt so flipping awkward. Like, I can't even tell you, like, I felt so weird. Like, I felt like I was in like, I don't know, like a banana costume or something just sitting there. So obviously like I walk up you know, moms were starting to congregate and everyone's like, Hey, you know, I'm this, this is my kid, this is my name, this is my, what what grade? Okay, fine, all that. Um All the moms uh, that were, like, talking were yellow. They were all yellow auras, some sort of yellow combination. Within, like, 10 minutes, I'm on the WhatsApp conversation, obviously, because that's what yellow people do. You know, I'm on the mom group. They're like, all right, let's get everybody's number. They organized it. You know, I have the links to what shoes everyone's going to buy for their kids. So, like, I'm like, okay, all right. So that was fine. And then everyone's just kind of standing around, and they're talking very just, and they're pleasant, lovely, wonderful people. But they were just all kind of talking a little... Uh, just small talk. And I just am not used to it anymore, you know? Yeah. I'm just not. And I feel so weird. And then I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Or, like, what? you know, why can't I make friends? Or then I feel like I can't connect with people. I mean, I was like, and I came home and I told you. And I'm like, I just feel so awkward. Like, I don't know how to be around people anymore who don't talk like this. Right,
1: exactly. Because then
0: I, I have other friends and then who I know more or whatever. And then we'll just be like, hey, you know, and obviously it's like, okay, that cute shirt or like small talk. But then we just get into it like, hey, I, you know, me and my husband have been trying to reconnect more. Oh, how, you know, like try. then we get kind of more deep, like immediately without even thinking about it.
1: Yeah. So what, what would you recommend? I mean, let, let's say someone is in this position, you know, at one time they were very social. They were able to do this, but now they've had this change and now they really don't feel connected to these people. And they feel kind of alone. Maybe they feel lonely. I don't, I don't know. It's,
0: I've had that happen. I mean, yeah, what, do, I, what do you recommend? Well, I see a lot of people in my readings, and they have the same exact situation. And the fact is, is that you're going to grow out of people after a spiritual awakening. That's true. You're going to grow out of people. You're going to have relationships that just don't – they're scratching the surface. And you like to go below that surface now. Um, when you're around them, maybe you can do like, you know, a coffee once in a while, but it's not going to be like the main squeeze of a friendship. It used to be, it's just normal to kind of just grow, grow onward from, you know, I think like when we have kids, if we think about our, our children Um, Sometimes the friends they're in preschool with, you know, in middle school, you're not best friends anymore. And that's, we think, oh, that's normal. They just grew and they evolved and they changed interests. And because it's kids, we're like, well, that's just how it is. You kind of grow apart, but you hold an affection for one another. Why, when we're adults, all of a sudden we're told to just stop, stop growing Nope, you can't do it anymore. You have to be the same after, I don't know what age it is, but you have to hit that age and then don't change anymore. Well, it's the friends you have at 20 aren't going to be the friends you have at 30, aren't going to be the friends you have at 40 necessarily. Um, And, you know, some friends stick through, you know, they're like family to us. That's different. But some friends, it's like you just kind of grow apart and it's as normal and as acceptable and it's as okay as it was when you weren't, you're not friends with your kindergarten friend anymore and you're in sixth grade and you're playing with a different group. It's okay. That's my advice. I mean, I guess normalize it, but it's sad. Yeah. It is sad because and, – and then you think about that version of yourself that was friends with them, and it's just you think, oh, I should go back to that, but then it doesn't feel right to go back to that. So it's weird.
1: Yeah, and what we – I mean, and that's why the Mr. Kela spiritual family page works so well, I think, the yeah. group, because there are they are like-minded people. There are a lot of indigos, like yeah. she said. And we do the discussion groups. And when people in those discussion groups, they find each other and they feel, oh, wow, I feel at home here, even though it's through Zoom, you know, (laughs) and maybe they've never met these people before. They feel so close to each other right away. You know, within the first hour of them chatting with each other, they feel so close because they're on that same frequency. They're on that same wavelength and they don't have to talk about maybe, you know, what's in, you know, what are you cooking for dinner or something that they don't really want to be talking about. They want to get deeper. Yeah,
0: if you can get deeper. And I think, you know, I had a reading this week with a lovely woman, and she's just she's, I um, know retired, okay, and she's going through something that is very hard for the people around her to understand. It she's going through something. It's very spiritual. It's very much something that she doesn't know how to talk about to herself, let alone the people in her life, and like she needs new people to talk about, like when, when we find like-minded people, like we do on the page, the Facebook page or whatever, the thing is you can go right into it and there's no judgment because we're right there with you. Right. Yeah. It's kind of finding people on the same vibration, like you said, because like you can find somebody on the same vibration and be like, Hey, I'm going through this cataclysmic shift in my life spiritually. And I don't quite know what's going on. And they're like, Hey, I get that. And, and that you know, they do and they receive it and they hold space for it. And you don't feel like there's this major uh, valley between you and somebody else anymore. You're spiritually together. So it's hard to find new friends, though, when we're a certain age. It is. That's why I like our group so much because a lot of new friends are found. Definitely. All right.
1: So we got a couple ads to do. When we come back, we're going to talk about considering the source. Uh, I'm going to practice my yoga. You're going to help <laughs> me. I'm going to do the waddling toddler. Okay. Okay. Um, You know that one, right?
0: Yeah, the Waddling Toddler, right right after the chicken pot pie.
1: All right, here's a word from PayPal.
0: Every time I go into CVS, I have like a million things I have to get. It's miscellaneous. I don't know why I don't get the basket at the front of the door. I really should because I end up just holding everything. And then, you know, I get up to the counter. I don't want to hold up the whole line. People have places to be behind me. So why not pull out my Uh, phone instead of my wallet and dig around through my purse when I already have my phone in my hand because guess what? PayPal QR code payments are now accepted at CVS stores nationwide. So it's super easy to make touch-free payments with your phone. Also, free money people, you get $10 cash back on your first purchase of $20 or more. If you've used... PayPal like I have, you understand that this app is extremely trustworthy and secure for any purchases that you make wherever you are. It's so convenient to use PayPal and CVS and basically you're getting paid to use it, free money, right? So it's just a few taps in the app. I'm done. I don't have to deal with pulling out change or my credit card or waiting or, you know, keeping, waiting too long or keeping everybody up in the, in the line. It works with a cashier or itself checkout. And also again, that $10 cash back, the first hand, time, I made that purchase of 20 bucks or more. It was almost like getting everything half off. I've used PayPal for years for online purchases. I use it for my practice. But I love how I can use it in stores now and I'm getting the same security. So to get $10 cash back on your first transaction of $20 or more, just head to your local CVS and pay using your PayPal or Venmo app. That's how easy it is. That's $10 cash back on your first purchase of $20 or more with the PayPal or Venmo app. To see terms and learn more about how to earn that $10 cash back, go to paypal.com K-Y-A. I sure do hope you've been listening to our Dipsy ads because I am blessed to have a voice model here today. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. So, Scott, what do you do in the Dipsy app?
1: Okay. So, so basically, I'm here to turn you off after you get turned on. So, like, if you you know you have, like, somewhere to go, you got to go to CVS and use your PayPal, whatever. Yeah. I'm here to turn you off. You know, you you don't want to go out in that state. So, if you listen to mine... Then, you know, it helps.
0: You can go out in society again. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what? Everyone needs an escape, but those can be hard to come by right now. Enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority.
1: This story is called Getting Pumpkin Spice Coffee.
0: Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on.
1: The date was August 7th, and I craved a pumpkin spice coffee.
0: Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. I
1: went to the coffee shop. I pondered, was it too soon for pumpkin spice?
0: (laughs) Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on or that coworker you always had a little thing for or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you.
1: The barista said, no pumpkin spice till August 10th.
0: <laughs> they release new content every week so there's always more to explore no matter who you're into or what turns you on
1: my demeanor shifted i was glum
0: and if you need to wind down dipsy also has wellness sessions sensual bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off
1: the barista said try a tick drink
0: <laughs> viral drink <laughs> for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to com slash K-Y-A. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, com slash K-Y-A, com slash K-Y-A. Try it for free. So today I'm talking about codependency in a, in a new way. And I'm going to talk about that more focused after this. But first, you know, I wanted to bring up how in my own relationship with you, Scott, like I ask you a lot of times, like, oh, wait, am I being codependent? And, and, and like, am I caring too much about what this person thinks of me? Because, you know, I put a lot of my worth in external sources. So because I can feel other people's feelings about me, if they're poor or good, I will take that as my own source of am I, you know, good or bad from what I'm getting from other people. So just in our relationship, just how long we've been together or whatnot, sometimes I'm like, wait a second, was I wrong here? Was I right here? How should I approach this? Like, am I, am I going, usually with me, I go over the top. Am I, am I doing over the top? Am I doing too much? Am I, am I overextending or whatever? And you always give me Amazing advice, which you have to repeat like way more than you probably <laughs> like, should. Like every day. <laughs> yeah. Because you always say consider the source. Consider the source. Okay. Yeah. So explain that to us who might need that kind of, I guess, grounding feeling.
1: Well, I, I mean, what well, I would say consider the source. Who, who is the person that told you this? You know, if, if you came to me and you told me, you know, I was doing this or, or something like that, you know, I, I, do, I hold you in such high regard and, and esteem. That it would, you know, would hurt me and I would actually take into account what you were saying.
0: So if I feel, if I'm like, hey, do this for me, do that for me, or if I told you, like, you know, you, know, well, no, like you, if you, hurt, you hurt my feelings if or whatever, yeah. you know, you would take that into more consideration. Right. Than, so, yeah,
1: if you came to me, like, said, hey, Scotty, you know, you're not, you're not doing this right. You know, what, right. what you're doing here is wrong. And, you know, you might think you're right here and. But you're really not doing this correctly. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, now I'm going to ponder it first. At first, I'm going to give my red reaction, which is, okay, whatever. <laughs> no. You know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then after you leave the room or whatever, I'm going to ponder on it, and I'm going to think about it, and then I'm realize you're probably right.
0: Because it's coming from me. Because it's coming from you. And, and that we, because we have a relationship that's, like, solid and good and, and respect, mutually respectful. Correct. And it's okay. And what I think about you does matter.
1: Right. It, it, exactly. And, again, it, it did, used to take me a longer time to to realize that, and now I'm quicker on well, that. Well, both of us, you yeah. know,
0: like we will mature as you get older, but yes. Yeah,
1: and, and the same thing, if I had like, you know, when I was teaching, if there was a, a teacher who I felt like really was an honorable teacher, a strong teacher, an excellent teacher, and they told me I was doing something, I would take that with much greater responsibility. Yeah. You know, I would really under, try to understand what they were saying. It would hold more water. Hold more water. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you just got to consider the source, and if if someone like you realize it's just not a good person or they're having things in their life that, you know, is bringing them down. You know, why are they saying this? Who are they to you? You know, maybe it's okay that this person attacked you. Right. Because they really aren't, you know, a good person, you know, or they're just not in a good frame of mind. You know, you you have to really consider the source when someone's kind of coming at you or attacking you for something or trying to bring you down or trying to get you off your spiritual awakening, you know, consider that source. And do you respect that source? Is that, it, that you have to look at that. Um,
0: That's it. So you're on the HOA. Yeah. Which is the, it's a thing in Florida. It's the Homeowners More, Association. Yeah,
1: s- I think seven years now. You've been on it for seven, seven years. Seven years and
0: you, nobody can join the HOA if they're a codependent empath. Like it's just never, like I could never be on the HOA, because I, you don't talk about it a whole lot, but like at meetings, like at meetings, people go and they literally scream at you all, at the board members for like, My sprinklers didn't turn on today (laughs) or like, I don't know, the garbage trucks come too early and they wake me up like or just, I mean, the most ridiculous, or I should be allowed to park in the middle of the street on a Tuesday, even though ambulances can't get by if they had to. So why am I getting this fine? Like people scream at you. People go on the Facebook page. We have like a community Facebook page and say the most ridiculous things um attacking you all i mean it's just you laugh yeah i just i couldn't do it because like i would be like there i'm so i have and this is a journey it's a journey and i'm going to (laughs) talk about that next the journey but i would be like oh my gosh they don't like me therefore i'm not doing something right so how do you deal with that no it
1: doesn't bother me at all (laughs) to be honest with you
0: Toxic. Maybe on the
1: first meeting of my first year, right? maybe it bothered me. I don't think so even, but it, it just doesn't bother me because, you know, I go by the handbook, the rules, ob- obviously. I go. I use my logic, right. my sense, you know, my, <laughs> my, my common sense to do these things. And first of all, I've seen everything. I've heard everything. Right. There's nothing new. Actually, I could have put burnt out on my list. That could have been number... <laughs> Number 11, about burnt sprinklers. out of hearing the same stories about <laughs> sprinklers. So, I, I mean, the other day, I think we had a guy, he comes in pretty much every month and says his sprinklers aren't working. You know, every month he yells at me, screams, screams, sprinklers aren't working, sprinklers aren't working. <laughs> you know, the sprinkler's going on all different times. I, you know, maybe he's sleeping, I told him, I don't know. Yeah, but he they're said, on, like, I'll like wait a up all night. He told me, I'll stay up all night. I'm like, okay, stay up all night. <laughs> okay. Or I could just send someone out to look and check. You know, so it's like. Basically, he's screaming and yelling at me. And I'm just kind of logically saying, well, the best I could do for you, the only thing I could do for you is have someone come out and check.
0: But you come home from that meeting and you have your pumpkin spice coffee yeah. and a little muffin and you got a little smile on your face. And, like, I couldn't – like, after, an, like, any sort of confrontation or interaction like that, I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't.
1: Yeah, well, because I'm con- – here – and, again, I'm considering – I am considering that night. It's the, it's the source. You're considering the source. Yeah, it's this guy who – for just in this example, is this guy <laughs> who comes in every time. I, first of all, I know his sprinklers work. Okay. We've had him checked. And, he, you know, he's, I don't know why he's yelling at me. Right. I, you know, I, it's something that's going on in his life that is yeah. so mundane. You know, this is such a mundane thing that there has to be something going on in his life
0: yeah. for him to do this. Right.
1: You know, it's not me. I'm not the problem here. So, so
0: but you can really separate that. See, then that, that's, I think, the difference, what I'm, I'm going to talk about coming up. The thing is, is like when you're somebody who can feel other people's pain, it becomes your pain. You have some sort of ability to put a wall, like a soundproof wall between your pain and his pain or yourself and his pain. Right. And I can't do that. And I think a lot of us listening can't do that. So it's even being around people like that. I want them to be happy. Forget about whether they're right or wrong. I just want them to be happy. So I don't feel that anymore. It's kind of like if somebody was smelly and I had to spend time with them, I'd want to just shower for like just clean them up or whatever okay. because I, so I wouldn't have to smell it. So okay, that so that's very
1: interesting. But let's but I kind of also sometimes look at it from a different the different perspective. Here. Okay. Okay. So like uh, we, just go back to the HOA cuz it's on my mind now. We had another guy who <laughs> wanted to park his van and in the street, but his van has like his business logo on it, right? Okay, in our community, you it's cannot like a rule. You can't have the business logo on it. It has to be covered. Okay, so like you know, you can't have like you know. So they buy a,
0: those big magnets and put it over the logo right. when have, they're parked. Yeah, you I have think to cover That's what it. they do. Yeah, right.
1: right. So he was not covering it, and he got a fine for it. Now here's the thing: I don't really care. <laughs>
0: right. It does not bother me, and you're not the person that goes around with the fines either.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I could, but I yeah you don't I used to do actually, that. but I could yeah. yeah. But anyway, and I was trying to tell him, I don't care. Right. I really don't care about your sticker. You could have your sticker. Right. The problem is we have a lot of Karens in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they care about that sticker. Yeah. I don't know why the they care about the that sticker. The are ones yelling it and, yeah. and telling yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah.
0: The Karens are telling on you. It's just, not right, me.
1: Right. <laughs> so, you know, I was just logically trying to explain to him, although, he, you know, he was very upset. He's yelling at me. Yeah. And again, I'm not getting bothered by it. And and again, his sticker does not bother me. But I'm trying to trying to tell him that if he does keep the sticker, X amount of Karens in the neighborhood are going to be upset. This is so 3D. Yeah. So it's <laughs> so 3D. So I guess if you look at it like you're trying to please, like if you were trying to please that guy that came in with the stickers, yeah. and make him feel yes. good. But then on the opposite hand, there's going to be ten Karens. There's
0: ten Karens that, and that now are going to feel upset feel and don't feel good because it is in the rule book. See, this right. is uh, this is why. I I love this 3D world of the HOA because it's so freaking 3D that we can sit here and try to bring it to the 5D somehow by explaining like empath codependency within (laughs) it or like whatever. But okay, so what you're saying is when you're like codependent on one person's opinion or feeling about you, correct? what happens is, is there's a lot of other people that can maybe 10 times as many are going to be disappointed because you're stuck in this zone of doing for the wrong person instead of being unliked by the wrong person. um, Does that make sense? And and, and being a better person for the other people, which goes back to my whole issue with like with the whole recovering empath of what happens is a lot of us were told to pay attention to the loudest, most toxic voice in the room growing up and throughout our lives, so we will be attracted to the loudest, most toxic voice in the in the room and suddenly get codependent upon them right instead of being maybe that way towards people that are quieter or more healthy or have better boundaries yeah. and like and like those people would be better to kind of yeah align towards right
1: and my ability is when i hear the loudest most crazy person in the room i shut them down yeah and i use logic to to forget it now you can come at me with your indigo oh and yeah. that way you could get to me. the crying so If you could yeah <laughs> if you could make a case you know like you know that kind of story using an indigo kind right. of blue they could get to they could get past me That so, that's one
0: so if signage man came yeah and he was like listen like this was my this is a family business covering up the logo. It yeah. makes me feel like my dad's dying all over again because I'm covering up what, his legacy and what he made. I'm proud of that logo and putting a, like that big magnet, ugly sticker over it is making me just kill myself inside. And you'd be like, you know what? No, fine. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying?
1: Something like that.
0: Yeah. So it's all about the delivery <laughs> and the a, approach. Yeah, exactly. That is so
1: funny. It's really funny.
0: All right. Well, thanks for explaining. Consider the source.
1: Consider the source. Yeah. Always consider that Maybe source. Maybe that's a good Because tip. if it's not coming from a good place and you don't know the motives of that person. Right. You know, everyone, everyone has motives, no matter what it is. It could be, you know, good motives, bad motives, but mm. everyone is coming at you with motives. Uh, you know, some are genuine, of course, but. You know, just consider that before you go into a tailspin over what that person said or did to you. Just consider that person, yeah, and what kind of person they are, and what they're going through. Because yeah. most of the time, it's actually based on what they're going through, not you at all. Well, that's like in, in my the Four mind.
0: Agreements by Don Miguel yeah, like, Ruiz. He right. says you can't take anything. Don't take anything personally. It's never about you.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I've said this before on the podcast too. And that works the other way too. If someone gives you a great compliment,
0: yeah, oh yeah, and it's
1: a source, you know. Also consider the source.
0: Yeah. Because it might not be true. Right. Or <laughs> it could just be because based off of what you did for them and maybe they're not. Like like when we talk about narcissism, a lot of narcissists are yeah. like, oh, you know, you're so good to me. You did the best for me. You know, they use that, those compliments or those good reviews of you to keep you in their manipulation loops. Yeah. But back to the whole core of it is, is when you're an empath at very deep defined empath and you alter your behavior for this stuff that's what i'm going to be talking about next yeah. just how it's so hard to kind of i don't know just like reprogram yourself and yeah. notice it differently
1: yeah i mean there's i mean there's some people in this world if they gave me a compliment i would actually <laughs> i would actually be in better sorry better worse shape because because right. i would have to be like what am i doing wrong that this person likes me oh
0: you like reevaluate your whole life yes yeah,
1: so if they were insulting me i'd be yeah. like oh perfect thank you oh
0: good thank you for insulting yeah, me right you're a bad person
1: but it, <laughs> These people, if they actually gave me a compliment, I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Right. Thanks, Scott. All
1: right. We got a couple of ads and then we'll get into it.
0: All right. Sometimes I need a little nudge, you know, a little self-care nudge. And Sakara gives me that because honestly, feeling your best starts with what you eat. Saqqara helps you not just eat healthy, but truly enjoy it with chef crafted plant rich meals that build a foundation for radiant health. And honestly, they don't just focus on food. They, it's a nutrition company. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness. It, they just start with what you eat. Their organic ready to eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and are designed to minimize your sugar cravings, which is my big thing. So their meals are really good because they boost your energy, minimize those sugar cravings, and improve your digestion, and they get your skin glowing. Sakara's chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, dinners are absolutely delicious. They're backed by cutting-edge nutrition science to boost your health and stoke your glow, and it's delivered fresh to your door. Anywhere in the U.S., along with delicious plant-rich meals, Saqqara also offers daily wellness rituals like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. You can experience their best-selling metabolism super powder and metabolism super bar to control those sugar cravings, reduce bloating, boost energy, and reduce fatigue. Saqqara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more. It's like a health spa brought to you. It's, it's a great little nudge into wellness if you're feeling a little stuck or overwhelmed right now. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash K-Y-A or enter code K-Y-A at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash K-Y-A to get 20% off your first order. That's sakara.com slash K-Y-A it's that feeling that in the pit of your stomach when you just, dread looking at your credit card statements. You know, you're not alone. So many Americans experienced financial hardship in the last year, but Upstart can help you regain your footing and get things back on track. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score and expand access to affordable credit is what they do. Unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. With a five-minute, that's it, just five minutes, online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash K-Y-A. That's upstart.com slash K-Y-A. Don't forget to to use our URL to let them know we sent you. We do appreciate that. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash K-Y-A. And now let's talk about the codependent empath. Today, I wanted to talk about something that comes up a lot and that's codependency and particularly codependency within empaths because... We behave differently and we need to understand what codependency is in relation to that and the different ways we can work on it because we know more about ourselves now. So today I'm going to talk about what the signs and symptoms of codependency are and how they relate to empath abilities, what makes our codependency behave in self-destructive ways, and I'm going to give you my spiritual take on codependency and how we can move forward with it and manage it. So I mean, it's, it's amazing all the ways codependency shows up. Like, do you find yourself being really stressed out to make a plan without inviting everyone you know because you don't want anyone to feel left out? Or do you struggle with going somewhere on a trip solo because you feel like your partner will be lonely? Or are you constantly finding yourself reading in between the lines and worrying about what people aren't saying instead of what they are saying? You have a really hard time taking people at face value. Do you ever give up your entire weekend to help a friend move even though you needed that day off to yourself? Or you agree with coworkers, yeah, I'll do that project even though you know all your own stuff is getting done, not getting done. You're going to have to do it on the weekend or whatever. Do you... Um, always insist on uh, uh, triangulating like, okay, you know, your sisters are having a fight and then you step in cause you can't handle the conflict. So you feel like you have to step in. Do you have like just overall, like the worst time making any sort of decision, like not even the big ones. I'm talking about like, where should I move? Or what career should I do? But also like, where should I go out to eat? Or where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Like those kind of things. Okay. These are just a few very nuanced examples of codependent behavior. But first, what is codependency just traditionally defined? It's defined as an excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner. So it's not it's not really a mental illness. And again, I'm not a professional. Okay. Like I always say this whenever we talk about uh, mental health type topics, I am not a professional. I'm just giving you my take on it and what I see in readings, but that's what it's defined as. Um, and it's really when a person funnels all of their energy on the people in their life, their issues, their need for support and attention, like well beyond any crisis they're having. So, it's, it's when you don't make time or space for yourself, you're always looking to fill the needs of other people instead, and you constantly elevate the needs of others above your own all of the time. You basically forget where you end and a partner or friend or relationship or coworker or anybody else really who you're around begins. When I talk about the programmed and invisible empath in episode four, the recovering empath, this is where codependency can really thrive and flourish in many empaths, especially if you're in a family where you were programmed very early on that your worth was only in your ability to please, help, support, and blend in. If you weren't in a family where they openly talked about how empaths feel, uh, other people's feelings as your own. If, you know, you really had a chance to never make that take root, um, then you created behaviors and identities around being the helper and supporter in all your relationships instead of anytime being an acceptor or a taker or vulnerably asking for support instead. And over time, as you grow up, perhaps you've looked for places and people and just contexts which just support that codependent, overly supportive behavior. And it can be really difficult to disentangle yourself from that relationship and the and the work environment and any anything that you built your life around probably has codependent ties to it. So people like when you start to not be codependent anymore as much as you were, like people are going to notice. Because it's just kind of like, oh, are you mad at me? Or like, why aren't you doing this? Or why didn't you do that? They might think you're cold. They might think that, they might think a lot of things. And, you're, and the problem is you're going to feel it all. Because if I can never say this enough, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff about empaths on there, uh, out there nowadays. And I, sometimes I get upset about it. Not upset, but like annoyed because they simplify it too much. When you're a true, true empath and you're awakened and you're kind of raw about it, you not only feel other people's feelings as your own, you alter your behavior for them. And on top of that, what's more, you do it all subconsciously. So you can make it like you want to do that. Like I want, so being codependent for you might just feel like your personality to other people. So when you stop being being codependent, they might think you had like a lobotomy or something. When actually you're just, you're just working on boundaries. Okay. You can borrow, when you're an empath, you can borrow other people's joy. You can, they feel joy, you can borrow it. You can borrow other people's sorrows. You have this need of being fulfilled through them, through their own joys and desires. And then you can build up self-worth from solving their problems when you borrow their satisfaction or their feeling of support or validation that you've just given them. So you can borrow all that. So the inner state of you is dependent on another person's inner state, Therefore, they create, codependent people, we, if you're one of us, create a responsibility to basically maintain the people around us, their emotional happiness, so as to keep our own feeling of worth and stability going. I mean, that's, that just means everything that you think about yourself lives outside of you. And that is a very precarious, unbalanced way to live. And a lot of you have lived most of your life like that. So waking up to it can be really overwhelming because you're like, wow, every single flipping relationship in my life, they're just used to me caring more about them than myself. So it's going to be weird. And you're not going to be able to turn it off, which I'm going to get to. So something interesting can happen. (laughs) You can start to notice that other people don't think the way that you do. Okay? This is weird. <laughs> this is weird. You're like, "Wait a second. Other people don't care that like they didn't invite everyone they know? Other people don't care that like I don't know, I wrote this in a way or or like they're not asking me how I feel or they're not like other people aren't extending to me the courtesy that I extend to them?" Yeah. And I learned this in my own therapy, and it's called it's called a cognitive distortion. And it like is the bane of my existence. And I think a lot of you can understand this. It's that other people don't think like you. So if you do something because you feel like it's polite and they don't do that same thing back to you, they don't extend the same courtesy like later in a different context. It's like, well, what the heck? Where, what, what, what is this? And that's the thing. Like if you go above and beyond, you can't expect other people to go above and beyond for you. It's just, you're going to get disappointed. And the ego will make you be like, oh, you know, this is about you. And it's not. It's just other people don't, you know, that's why we have to look to intentions with people sometimes plus the actions and like choose things. But yeah, you will realize eventually that you are the one worrying about them all the time and they seriously don't do that about you. And you can take that behavior very personally and feel victimized from it. And sometimes it's real. Like sometimes you did, you know, sometimes it's simply because you've been choosing people who are inherently and truly more selfish than other people because that's, because you're the type of friend that they require. And that's the life that you've built up around yourself with a lot of needy people because you have codependent behavior. And like the whole thing is like a whole perfect, um, I guess, uh, habitat or ecology. Is that the word? Ecological system (laughs) where you feed them and they take and everything's great. Uh, Sometimes people aren't intentional about they're not thinking about you, but it can still hurt feelings. And as you wake up from your codependency, it, it it gets a little obvious. So if you're stuck in a victimized role, which I totally get. And it's honestly part of the recovering empath. Um, one of the steps is the the victimized empath. Like there are times you're going to feel like a victim and that's okay. Like you can live in that. So you can't stay there, but at least like notice it. Like, hmm, I'm feeling really victimized lately, today. This is how I'm feeling. And you can sit there in it for a minute and kind of gather the necessary energy you need from it, but they have to be lessons. And one of the lessons has to be, how do I move forward now with this new knowledge? So- Here's the thing: being codependent, I have found, has been super isolating to me in my own life. And not until I started doing readings and meeting more people like me, and you know, all of you, a lot of you, um, in the listening to the podcast, people I do readings for, and people on the page, the Mystic McHale Spiritual Family Page, and whatnot, um, it's something I constantly see in others now as well. So I don't feel as alone. But I, I want you to feel less alone too. Um, being codependent can make you feel completely alone because you're the only one kind of leaving your island of inner self to constantly go over their islands of inner self. And nobody comes to you. Nobody like swims out to your little island. So you can feel very alone. And what I had to realize, um, and it's a journey, which I'm still working on, is that you have to let people in to your little island. The ones that are willing to swim out to you, to your little self and your world, you have to let them in. And uh, you you have to let them see you and you have to let them help you too. And it's awkward as heck. I know it is. It's super awkward when you're always the giver. And then you meet people who are like you, they like to give, um, you have to let them be good to you or call you or say, how are you? Or let's talk. Or you have to let them and you have to get, you know, you have to let them in. And that's hard when you're not used to it. And then, but that's part of like the spiritual development, spiritual awakening. Like you start attracting people who are willing to do that. And, and then you're, and then it's a mutual relationship where you're helping them and they're helping you and it's mutual. And that's really nice. It's nice when you have that. So what is codependency originally? Uh, codependency is just a way of behaving in relationships. And honestly, the term codependency was coined back in the 1940s to help describe, uh, I guess like behavior patterns they noticed in partners and family members of people living with addiction and alcoholism in particular. So that's really where it started. So if you've had any relationship with an addict, you get that like right away, you know, you get this pretty clear. It's pretty obvious to have a relationship with somebody who is dealing with the affliction of addiction. Many times you end up support or somebody in their life ends up supporting or enabling their behavior just to get by. Um, I have a friend, a close friend and her sister is just, I mean, it's, it's in and out, you know, uh, a very, very self-destructive alcoholic and I mean, the things, you know, she would do and, um, her parents, I mean, she couldn't live alone. She tried, she constantly was overdosing constant, like livers on its, I mean, she's not old. She's not even 30. Her liver's on its last mile, you know, they told her and when they would basically try to, you know, all the rehab, everything, and then when they try to, like, dry her out and, like, make sure there was no alcohol in the house, you know, she'd go for um, the hand sanitizer. She'd go for the Listerine. Like, she'd go for, like, chemicals in the house. If it had any... She'd go for the uh, the rubbing alcohol. I mean, she'd drink it, and then she just would. So they bought alcohol for her. <laughs> they did. Is that enabling? I mean, you know, it's, that's, that's the thing. Like when, when you're dealing with like somebody who has an addiction, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, please don't do that awful thing to make the money to go buy it. I'll just give you the money to go buy it. Cause I don't want you to go out there and do God knows what to earn it. (laughs) So we're just going to give you the money. I mean, it becomes kind of like something that's how it was originally defined. And it is, that is a thing, um, you know, the making excuses, the hiding their use, or the protecting the person from any fallout or consequences of their actions. That's all part of, like, codependency within within, um, addiction, relationships with addiction, families with addiction situations. But now psychology understands that it's not just limited to to the families and relationships centering around addiction. It can show up in many situations. So not just the ones um, involving substance abuse. So according to a 2018 research review, Patterns of codependent behavior generally involve four main themes, self-sacrifice, a tendency to focus on others, a need for control, which may fuel conflict, and the difficulty of recognizing and expressing one's own emotions. So if that sounds like you, that's like like kind of the main themes of codependent behavior. But let's talk about if any of this sounds (laughs) familiar. I took these from psychcentral.com. And these are the common signs of codependency. So I just want, I'm just going to list them. There's a few here. I'm just going to list them, just going to go through and just yes or no in your head. So here we go a deep seated need for approval from others, self worth that depends on what others think about you, a habit of taking on more work than you can realistically handle, both to earn praise or to lighten a loved one's burden, a tendency to apologize or take on blame in order to keep the peace, a pattern of avoiding conflict. A tendency to minimize or ignore your own desires. Excessive concern about a loved one's habits or behaviors. A habit of making decisions for others or trying to manage loved ones. A mood that reflects how others feel rather than your own emotions. Guilt or anxiety when doing something for yourself. Doing things you don't really want to do simply to make others happy. (laughs) Sorry. Idealizing partners or other loved ones often to the point of maintaining relationships that leave you unfulfilled. I laugh because I feel like a lot of you are like, whoa, this isn't normal. Oh, and finally, overwhelming fears of rejection or abandonment. (laughs) Like, come on. Like, so how many of you feel like this is normal life? Like other people don't feel that? No, they don't. It's really weird. I know. I know, right? And uh, the way I see it with a lot of empaths, like this is kind of like, you're hardwired to be codependent. (laughs) That's the thing. And nobody talks about it. But you are. You're like hardwired to be codependent because you can feel other people's feelings as your own. You're a healer. It's hard to differentiate healthy behavior from codependent behavior because of that. So to alter your behavior, to fix that output of emotions from the people around you, you know, it's just kind of like normalized. And it's going to obviously be more common in close relationships because you have to see them every day. But honestly, it can happen just even anywhere really it can be hard to just you can be codependent to strangers in a grocery store line or like oh whatever you know and and it's just notice it okay so I have a lot you know reading a lot of clients in a lot of different walks of life a lot of times like if I read someone who they're getting divorced and they've never lived alone or they haven't lived alone for like a really long time and the person they're divorcing was like super toxic and very needy and had a lot of issues and my client who I'm reading is you know codependent like probably most of us here. And they are the first time living alone. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh. Like, cause your, your energy's not meshing with other people. So remember when you're an empath, your aura, okay. Can pick up other people's auras. So if you're living with somebody super toxic or stressed out or angry or like hurt or their inner child is like super wounded and they just are super needy and they have all these like unresolved issues that they don't talk about or like acknowledge, but you do. Um and finally you're not living with them every day, you're not like passing them to the bathroom, you're not like washing dishes and they're coming in to make their coffee. Like you're not you know also you're not sharing space with them anymore. Something crazy happens. You feel your own feelings. <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa. What's that? <gasps> That's my own feeling. Wait a second. Why do I feel so much happier? Why do I feel lighter? Why do I feel better?" Yeah. And you can feel bad cuz like you got divorced. And you can feel bad because, man, it sucks that that had to happen and all that, but also you can feel better. And that's feeling one thing. And then also you can feel bad about something and then still feel really good inside at the same time. And i that's kind of when somebody who is uh, sucking all all your energy and you were in their space more than your own, when they leave your space, yeah, you can feel a lot more like you. So... You might even feel it's like moving out of your parents' house and living on your own the first time. You're like, oh my gosh, like I'm not all these things they said. Or, or even if it was like a great relationship with them, it just might be nice to kind of feel your own feelings. Like you're, you don't know, have the roles or the labels kind of like constantly energetically put on you. You're not always thinking, you know, oh, I should do this or mom's going to say this or oh, I should do this or my brother's going to say this. Like you're, you're, you're not living in a codependent environment anymore. It's just you. It's, it's, I've never lived alone, but it's like, it is. I'm sure because when I read people, they have this kind of like, oh, like, it's nice. They feel better. They can feel sad that they're, you know, maybe whatever. And not other things are perfect, but they feel good. And that's because your codependency issues got to break. They got to break. Okay. There is a difference between codependency and dependency. And, the thing is, you know, acknowledging you have this ability to feel other feelings as your own and at times sacrifice their needs for your own will help you choose the right people to do this for. And that's important. There are, there are, there are in a relationship, sometimes you do make concessions for them. And, and as long as they're making concessions for you too. The problem is, is that many of us don't feel comfortable being takers will connote it with being selfish. So when you're told your whole life that the only value you have is that of giving and self-sacrificing, there's this intense fear your inner child has of hurting and disappointing and being unloved by people in your life. So it's really hard to let others give to you. When you feel like they won't have a need for you anymore, once they start giving and you start taking. So finding someone who is healthy enough in themselves to give to you as well, that's a challenge. And then being comfortable with somebody who has their life somewhat together enough and has personal responsibility and consideration can be scary and even frightening because it can topple you off your center where the codependency has made you feel like your only value is completely sacrificing yourself for other people's needs. But healthy dependency is, is good. Like that's when you feel comfortable to state your own needs and desires to a friend or a relation and any relationship. When you ask for support, when you find yourself struggling, you know, you get vulnerable. You're like, Hey, you know what I need? Can you help me out? Actually, I'm having a hard time finishing this project. Can you help me? You know, feeling safe and comfortable expressing your own needs, um, letting others know when they're asking too much of you without worrying that they'll reject you. Uh, in short, you can support others, but you don't sacrifice your own needs in order to do so. And then they can feel comfortable doing that with you too. So, like I said, this is only achieved when you're an empath by understanding that you're going to feel the feelings of others and it's going to hurt you. And you have, to, you're going to have to stop yourself. Not, you have to stop yourself from altering your behavior to do the easy thing, which is short-term you've been told, the easy thing is just acquiescing all the time. And then your subconscious and your ego tells you that that's what you want, but it's not. So how couples can achieve this, you know, our friends, or family members, it does require vulnerability. It requires you actually digging into yourself first, which a lot of us don't do. Like, you know what? I need, I don't know, more help around the house with my, you know, my partner. I noticed that I'm doing dishes, you know, I cook, I go grocery shopping, I cook, I do dishes, I serve, I clear the table, I do dishes. Okay. Maybe your partner doesn't know that you need help doing that. Not everyone's a mind reader and you can't expect them to be. Cognitive distortion (laughs) because I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah, you have to say like, Hey, you know, could you, you know, could you help me with this? Could you take on a role that would really, I'd really appreciate it if you could help me too. You know, Just saying it, that requires a vulnerability. And also it requires you to step out of the whole victimization thing where you're the one that does everything and that's like your identity. So maybe you're used to feeling like put upon or victimized or like used. So you have to actually speak up for yourself and say like, hey, can you help me with this? And then if they're normal, they're like, oh yeah, of course. You know, as long as you said it normal, they'll do it, you know, if they're normal too. So it's kind of like getting used to it, asking for what you need. Um, like I said, it it requires you to be vulnerable. It also requires you to be thankful and grateful for somebody else. And this may not be a regular thing for you. So if somebody helps you out with something and you just got vulnerable and you allowed them to, it may touch a place on you inside where you don't feel worthy. Oh, I don't deserve that help. And that's real deep in there somewhere. And I don't feel allowed to be in this world if I'm not constantly serving, It can feel very uncomfortable to let somebody be there for you instead of the other way around because then you can feel like you owe them something or you can feel like you're just knocked off your identity. Codependency is not your identity. It's just a behavior you learned. So what causes codependency? When you grew up in a family, be it a good one or a bad one, with really poor boundaries, (laughs) codependency can become a coping mechanism and your needs go unmet to meet theirs instead. I mean... You can imagine all the ways, like maybe abuse, if you're a victim of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. I mean codependent behavior right away it can come in. It's a survival technique at this point. Uh, parents or caregivers that ignore a child's needs in favor of their own. A caregiver with some sort of personality disorder, like narcissism, um, which just basically you have to solve you have to suppress yourself in order to. Be who they need you to be so you can get their love and protection, especially, you know, as a child, this is survival. Uh, you can get it in a family with controlling or overprotective caregivers who just are way too sheltering, living vicariously through you. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're way too restrictive with the boundaries. You can't do this. You can't hang out with this person. You can't do this. You can't do that. Uh, you can get it where one or more, uh, one or both parents leaving, left the family So all of a sudden you have a major, like, you know, when you're a little kid, I see this all the time with little kids who I read, uh, dad dad left and the four-year-old decided it was their fault and they did because that's what kids do. And that four-year-old goes up into a 40-year-old and even though they know it wasn't their fault, there's a little, there's a little broken part of them that still feels like it was their fault. And that little part speaks up every time a friend forgot to, oh, I forgot to text you. I didn't mean it. Or... I forgot to call you back or, you know, or whatever. And then all of a sudden that four-year-old's like, oh my God, it's rejection. Oh my God, it's rejection. Because, you know, so, so those little parts come back up. Um, Caregivers alternating between loving and present to distant and unavailable. So you have like, you're anxious about it. Like maybe dad shows up, then dad doesn't show up or mom shows up, mom doesn't show up. You never know, not dependable. Critique bullying from parents or siblings or peers that just leave you with this like lingering insecurity in all of your relationships. Those are just some ways you can uh, get to be programmed as codependent. Here's the thing in empath terms, you cannot unlearn how to feel other people's uh, feelings as your own. It's a sense. You can't unlearn how to smell either. If somebody's smelly, you're never gonna not be able to smell them. If somebody has feelings, you're never going to be able to learn how to unfeel them. So you can't turn it off. What you can do is notice it, self-identify, be self-aware. That's all the work we're trying to do here. This is everything I'm trying to do on the podcast because it's helped me so much and it's a journey and that's what I'm trying to help you guys to do too, Um, just see what this is and, and understand that what you're picking up. May not be you. It may be their stuff. And then you have to make choices about the right times and the right people to feel and alter your behavior for. So how do we get past this? What the heck do we do with this codependency? And this is where I'm going to say something a little wacky. I really used to be ashamed of being codependent. Really ashamed. I got told it a lot. (laughs) I understood I was. I didn't know how to fix it. I latched onto it. It was my comfort. It was how I was likable. It's how I got things done. I didn't know how else to be. And I was really ashamed of it. I thought I was weak and sad and pathetic. And now I try to celebrate it. And I know that sounds really wacky after hearing all this about what codependency is, but I feel like villainizing it doesn't work. And at this point, if any of these symptoms or situations sound like you, let's face it, it's going to be hard to ever completely shut down your codependent behavior. It's a part of you now. What it is, it's a part of the armor your ego used to help you get by to survive. It was a survival mechanism. Just like in the wild, animals learn to sleep in trees or bury themselves in like holes to survive. You learn to be codependent. And now it has those same links to your primal brain as actual survival skills. Because let's face it, you probably would not have survived your childhood if you didn't do what you had to do, if you weren't codependent. So in a way, thank you, codependency thank you for getting me here to adulthood where now I have the responsibility to make better choices. And now I'm in a place where I can't be punished for them. And I feel like that's what we have to say to our codependency. So first up, we got to look at it and we got to give that codependency some gratitude because it wasn't a pretty tool that you had, but it did the job. You're here. You survived. You got through it and it kept you alive. It did kept you alive. And now we have to make sure that it stops being used by other people, by the wrong people. It's a tool that's our tool, not other people's tool anymore. The thing with this tool is that being codependent can sometimes be really good. Yeah, I said it. It can. You have an extrasensory ability and you, and because you used it to survive, oh, it's a sharp tool. It knows exactly what to do. It has the ability to pick up super quick. seconds when you meet somebody what they need what the things they may not know they need the things that make them feel safe the gifts their soul is begging you for all of that you have that ability to feel it now if someone is good to you and gives to you and is kind and unconditionally loving and they're personally responsible and they try to do right by you why not why not use that codependent power for good you can make sure they feel included you can give them that nurturing you can make sure they feel heard or seen, and, and, if, and if they're deserving of it and they're good to you back, maybe it's okay. But you got to let them do that to you too, and then it's mutual, and then it's okay. But the issue is we have that programmed, annoying <laughs> habit, that repetitive habit of finding the people who extra need it and use the codependency for their own benefits. And they can be super sweet and act very needy for it. And they can give you the best thank yous for it. And we eat that up. But these are the toxic people that can come in and it's all about them. And they don't give you anything except, oh, thank you. You're the best. And then they just take it and move on. Because like I said in episode four of The Recovering Empath, when you don't understand what the whole empath thing is about, when you don't understand... Okay, people will use it to their own benefits. You will get preyed upon. You have been preyed upon. You know that. Because you learn to put all of your worth outside of you and then borrow it from others. If they think you're good, okay, I'm good. If they think you're bad, now I'm bad. And who here listening has ever felt sick when someone else was upset at you? Absolutely sick. Because you weren't feeling anything except your ego reacting to the outside worth that, put, that was put outside of you, not being filled. And then what happens is back to that primal thing, because codependency is a tool from your primal self that got you through and links up to your brain now that tells you you're going to die if people don't like you. I mean, I, I, that sounds dramatic, but I mean, that's what you ever get tummy aches, panic attacks, can't sleep, stressed, anxiety. Just because you think you said something the wrong way to the neighbor and now she's not, she's looking at you funny and you feel like you have to fix it. <laughs> that's, for, that's not about that situation. That's about something in you, that the codependency acting up on you. And you can stop it and you can look at it and you can be like, hey, wait a second. No, no. It's okay. It's going to be okay. So a lot of things I hear is anger at oneself for being codependent and shame and embarrassment. But I don't think this is something we can hate or hate away from ourselves. You can't hate this out of yourself. It's something you actually have to fall in love with now. You have to appreciate it. You have to notice it. You have to validate it. You have to see it. It's something you have to give gratitude for. It, it got you through times. It did. And you're here and you're, you are here listening to this today. So you're here. So we're grateful that we're here. And it's something that you really have to understand backwards and forwards. So you know its number. You get its tricks. You know what it likes to do. You know what it tries to do. And then you can see it working when you do that. You'll have the upper hand on your codependency. And you can tell it up. You got to shut down when you know that it's doing old ways stuff or it's going after things that aren't important or things that aren't mutually beneficial to you as well. And you can utilize it for the good things so that it doesn't doesn't take over in the bad things. I hope this helped you. I hope this shed a light on codependency. I hope this made you feel more loving and deserving of who you are and the things that you need and maybe understand a little better. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. So... After all of that, I have to say one thing. Because we said it does matter where you put your care and love. And if we can't shut down our ability to feel other people's feelings as our own, we might as well funnel that towards the good people. And I'm going to tell you speaking for Scott and myself that's all of you that's all of you listeners we do care about you we do care about what you think we do care about what you want to hear about this podcast is for you and is about you i hope you feel the love that comes out of my voice right now as i get emotional talking about it and yes even though we're not we decided not to celebrate our 100th episode and keep it to the 100th 11th episode I just had to say
1: that. Yeah, yeah. And we are like a mini celebration here for 100. We made it to 100. That's incredible. Yeah. But 111, we'll, we'll do a little bigger thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you guys have supported us. Uh, you know, the reviews. My we gosh. have over 4,000 something reviews. Uh, just incredible. Reviews, All five stars. Yeah, you, reviews you mean a
0: lot to us. Thank you so much for taking the time to... To yeah. send in those five star reviews, yeah,
1: they're, I mean, they're, and they're heartfelt too. We read them all too. We do, uh, and they're not like just you know great podcasts. You know, heart, yeah. heart, heart. They're like some of them are like, par- like we, paragraphs and paragraphs. It means so
0: much to us. Like I, th- I'm, I have overwhelming gratitude for all of you. I mean, from the beginning, we started this from grassroots from the ground up i mean we you guys helped us out you eleven eleven bombed us before we were with wave podcast network which we're also very grateful for we funded this on our own and you all helped and and that was like absolutely i mean how do i ever say thank you for that like what's what can i do except just try to keep making episodes that resonate
1: yeah and uh (sighs) we appreciate that uh we the book's coming out on november 9th uh, Simon & Schuster just contacted us and yeah. told us how many pre-sales oh my there were. For so. the Angel
0: Numbers book. It's coming out November 9th. You can order it on simonandschuster.com or wherever you like to buy books. Um,
1: so we thank you for all thank those, you. those pre-sales. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, incredible. We have the... Our event in January, the Mystic Michaelis Virtual Family. It's going to be
0: wild. A jovial cult.
1: A jovial cult is coming <laughs> to Fort Lauderdale.
0: The jovial cult will be
1: <laughs> Yes. Um, will be
0: convening. We'll be freaking out everyone in the hotel yes. when they're like, because yeah. like last time, two years ago when we had it, we just had like 60 people or something like that. How many? 60 yeah, to 100? 100. 100, about 100. 100 people. Yeah. The, this, the hotel staff was like whispering like, are they a cult?
1: Yeah. I, I was that, asked a few times. I've said this before. Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: we've talked about this and yeah. now there's going to be how many like t-
1: like well, we had, maybe double? Yeah, well we had uh for we have an event in the morning on that Saturday morning. Uh there's uh, there's only space for 200 people. So we we did sell I mean I have a few couple tickets left if someone wants but basically nothing left there. Yeah. You know, we apologize, but you can still come. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause it's a whole weekend well, thing. The Friday. No tickets. For no the rest tickets.
0: Of it. Just show up. Cause Friday night we're doing like a happy hour at the hotel.
1: Yeah. Friday we're doing happy the hotel. I think Jamie and um, Ashley are going to do a little yoga on the beach before yes. the event. So that's free. Uh, then we do have the event, which is ticketed. And again, I only have like a couple left. Uh, and then at night we're going over across the, to the beach, to a beach bar. Yeah. wherever you know, beach bar restaurant where everyone can hang out. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully you'll sign a few books
0: yeah, and, uh, and, obviously that's free too. It's just hanging out, meeting each other. We'll have name tags. Yeah. Um, and trust me, everyone's, everyone's friends. And I think we're going to get some volunteers yep. to be like, uh, MMSF ambassadors. So if you come alone, trust me, you will be alone not very long because everyone makes. Fr- we were talking about how hard it is to make friends. Well, not in this crew. Yeah. Like it's really easy. So if you come alone, don't. But all this information is going to be laid out very detailed on the Facebook page. Yes.
1: All right. Well, thank you all. Th- again, we thank you so much.
0: We love you so much, and yes, this podcast is for you and about you. And I hope you feel Scott and my love today. Take care, guys. your podcast app.